your destination. Hold to open. Yes, and what do you do? Oh, stop saying that. You see, now that attitude is actually very attractive. Hello, that was the sound of drums, and you are listening to Pull to Open, a Doctor Who podcast that is entirely randomized, where we watch the entire show in random order. My name's Chris Taylor. And I'm Pete Paschal, and we're here to keep your constant injection of Doctor Who in your lives, I guess, as we are sort of entering a post a post who surge um, after Eve of the Daleks on the yes. New Year's special and yes. the season that sort of led up to it. Did you watch Eve of the Daleks? Uh, <laughs> no, I, on, I ask this every week. <laughs> yeah, it's our ongoing segment. Is Pete caught up yet? <laughs> that's a great. Whoa. Sorry. If, if you can hear the sound of purring, by the way, over the sound of drums, that's because my cat Mowgli has decided to. Well, he's actually he's doing the theme music for this segment. Which yeah. is cat purring, uh, which I'll let the fans make up what that connection is. But the lead up to the answer is no. <laughs> I have not caught up yet, but I've I've made progress. So I am now at the uh, I've just finished. Sorry, the the penultimate episode of the season. So it's oh, the one flex. where yes. um, she's she's at the division uh, mm-hmm. and uh, all the. Well, I, I shouldn't spoil it for people but it's like there's there's some serious stuff that goes down and there's a very serious cliffhanger so uh i'm almost there i'm two away from being. i, w- I will up. say i don't think you're entirely alone i think a lot of people have had a hard time catching up on this season because either you don't have bbc america or you don't like the amount of ads on bbc america uh or you know that you can get it on amc plus which i didn't even know is a thing oh wow uh, that's that's how i did it uh basically you sign up for that you get a trial month uh, for free, so nice. you can just watch, you can catch up with all of Doctor Who for free, uh, if you can somehow get AMC Plus, and then you might decide to renew it, or you might might cancel it after your trial month, after you've watched all the Doctor Who you can manage, uh, and are completely well, caught up. It's funny, I I do I do it through the BBC America app, and mm. it's it's funny, it is hilarious how I my life kind of revolved or revolves around Doctor Who in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I, I have the cheapest plan on my provider that provides BBC America. I actually that that was literally like what I was looking for. So I've got a really cheap plan, but it has BBC America. And so, you know, you just authorize the app with your provider. But I mean, man, did BBC America have the worst app for the longest time? And that, you know, I think we talked about this before, mm-hmm. like way early in the podcast, but it bears repeating those the the tv station the tv network apps are so much worse than like the the actual streaming apps that actually you know have to provide a good experience because that's their whole business um but recently bbc america improved the app there is a new version it's better my, my beef with it is that it took away it seemingly has taken away casting ability so you used to be able to to hmm. easily cast your app to a chromecast device so google cast compatible now it's only airplay compatible as far as i can tell and wow. airplay is, is a weirder stranger less customizable technology because it's apple yes and i find that very annoying 
Which is fine if you're entirely in the Apple universe, as I am. But yeah, I, mm. I understand there are people out there who have non-Apple devices. Well, even, even I am in the Apple universe, but it's just that like, I, I won't get into it. It's just the way it interacts with my TV. It I can't control the picture the way I did with the Chromecast, mm. which I don't know why it's doing it. But basically, you know, the whole um, soap opera effect. Have you heard of soap this? Op- no, no. What's that? Okay, so modern TVs, <laughs> by the way, this is now the uh, tech review uh, and Doctor Who podcast. Uh, Pull to open temporary. TV tech information. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you uh, have a TV at a default setting, sort of out of just, you know, you just bring it home and you turn it on, usually there's motion enhancement on by default. So this is usually something that helps with sports. So it's like that's basically the TV's inserting frames mm. in between the frames of the material you're watching. So which sounds like a very Doctor Who thing to do, <laughs> indeed. Just... And so, as everyone knows, film is historically 24 frames per second, but modern technology now allows us to go much, much higher than that. Um, 40 but the FPS, problem is, the more frames you insert, the more the motion looks closer to real life and less cinematic mm. and this is this is the big problem because we've all been trained to look at motion now in film and most i think most people want to see that cinematic quality i certainly do so i turn off all motion enhancement but for whatever reason when i go airplay it on my my tv it's back and i can't turn it off and I, that irritates me no end so if it's anyone has figured this things. out please email us at pull to open at <laughs> Pull to open podcast at gmail.com and let me know. Or just comment on our TikTok, geez. Yeah, yeah. Or just leave us a review with the answer. Um, but yeah, uh, speaking of TikTok, you should definitely follow us on TikTok because we've got a big push for 10,000 followers. How are, we, how are we doing that, Pete? 10K. So we're pretty close to 3,500. So uh, we're, we're, now that we're doing these pods weekly, well, we'll see. But so far weekly, mm. the progress is a little more incremental. Uh, but it's still growing. I mean, there's still lots of people that are coming for each podcast with each uh, video we put up. We're having lots of fun there. Uh, but I mean, the dialogue just continues and continues. And we had some uh, some fun reaction to our uh, image of Fendall uh, videos, <laughs> especially with um, Tom Baker's uh, era being a little bit more cold as we identified in that podcast in the mm. Just handing guns to people who want to commit suicide. (laughs) Monster looked at them funny. Uh, I'm still not over that. Yeah, neither neither are our TikTok commenters. (laughs) Very well. Good. I'm I'm super glad. I I feel like we're introducing a lot of TikTok Doctor Who fandom to the classic series. Mm. Right. I think we are. I would even go further. We are classic Who TikTok. Right now. <laughs> we own that space. Yeah, who else is doing that? And <laughs> now someone's going to come out of the woodwork and. Yeah, I was going to say now. Now there's going to be a podcast called Who Else, which would actually be a great name oh, wow. for a Doctor Who podcast. Uh, and and then we can have a Who's on First discussion of like, yes, who else is doing this on TikTok? And yeah. anyway, uh, so we're doing well there. <laughs> please follow us. Please please leave us a review. And uh, with that business taken care of, Pete, shall we uh, shall we talk about the episode that we went to this mm. week, or should we do a little little previously on pull to open? Because so so this this episode, I'll just say the name of it, "In the Forest of the Night," is one of those episodes where humanity entirely forgets what happens to right. it. And uh, in in that vein, I, I've sort of entirely forgotten 
where we've been shortly after we've been there. Because <laughs> uh, I, I was I was just listening to uh, our previous podcast on the, on uh, closing time and uh, had had completely forgotten that we'd been to midnight even when I was listing the shows we we'd been to recently. So the, I I am more of a mind to believe that the human race forgets super easily important things that happen to it. Um, well, yeah, and so we're I not actually even... like midnight. We had a great discussion of it, and then it's just kind of erased from my brain. So previously we were at Image of Fendal. Before that we were at midnight. Is that right? Have I got my memory straight? Oh my God! Now I'm uh, okay. So <laughs> I want to say yes. I think your I think your chronology is correct. So that's we we are in season three of Pull to Open. So those those are the two Green Death the two episodes midnight, of season right? three. Yes, yes, yes. It was yes. good. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, <laughs> it's it's an interesting and, and sometimes bumpy ride. Um, but the randomizer loves Peter Capaldi. This is an ongoing mm. theme on Pull to Open. Um, and so it has taken us to the episode directly before Dark Water slash Death in Heaven, which we did fairly early on in our run. Mm, yeah. Um, so this is... It seems like eons ago. And like you say, yeah. like, I mean, any time in the show where the Doctor should have known something because of a previous adventure and mm. forgets it, uh, I completely believe that now, <laughs> like based on just what you said. You know, it's like we can't even remember what podcast we did last week. I mean, like, yeah, the the, the doctor is middle aged and he's getting that sort of middle aged forgetfulness. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm sure he often goes into a room in the TARDIS and forgets what he came in there for. Well, you think like, and we talked about the gap, and we shouldn't rehash it too much. Uh, but the gap, the two hundred year gap for Matt Smith between those two right. episodes, the God Complex, between God, God Complex and how Closing did, Time. I, I mean, he should have just forgot he was supposed to die. Like at that point, like, all <laughs> oh, right, it's supposed to be die. Hold on. Like if he just forgot about it and didn't do it, did it did it happen? That that, that would have been probably a pretty good I, I have for. I I have in my head the the, the 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 idea for a great Doctor Who episode that I'm going to say my my new headcanon is that it occupies that 200 year space, which is simply the Doctor really exploring the TARDIS, like not not fighting Sontarans in it, not you know, not having a journey to the center of the TARDIS, just just mapping it, just, just hanging kind out. Of, yeah, just chilling, you know, inventorying his rooms, maybe doing a little dusting. Um, sure, it gets pretty pretty dusty in there. Um, maybe he's I like mean, configuring it like a very highly uh, highly customized Excel file, you know, <laughs> so that he mm. finally like because you could do that, you could rearrange the internal architecture as we know. That's right, and it just becomes yeah, you could, constantly perfecting it. Just just stay in the control room, bring all the other rooms to you. Yeah. It's the it's the lazy TARDIS maintenance. Yeah, well, I was thinking more uh, like he's like Tim Allen, <laughs> you know, yeah. just constant home improvement. It's just like okay, and sweep me Well, maybe it's an power. episode. He finally finds the manual for the Type Forty TARDIS, and he's just sitting there reading it, going, "Huh, huh, oh, hmm. I did have the handbrake on. Oh, okay." That we will get to an episode, by the way, at some point <laughs> where they do pull out the manual. It's a, I won't spoil uh, it, but it's like watch for that in our journey. <laughs> All right, so we we have landed in in the forest of the night, mm. and uh, first, before we talk about the episode we landed on, as regular listeners know, we have a segment called TLDW: Too Long Doctor Who or Too Long oh, Didn't yes. Watch. Oh yes, we do. 
Yes, we do. And each week, one of us takes, we take turns, and one of us describes the entire story in one minute per Classic Who episode, 30 seconds per, uh, sorry, one minute per New Who, 30 seconds per Classic Who. This is New Who. So, and Pete, it is your turn. Is it my turn? Must it yes. be my turn? I was actually like, when you were introing this segment, I was, I, I forgot it was my turn for a second, and I was delighted. In my, in my <laughs> like, oh yeah, Chris. Oh wait, and I get like a second later. I was like, it's me. Oh and yeah, I'm not delighted anymore. Um, <laughs> but as everyone knows, this is the time where we we summarize it, but in <laughs> perhaps record time, uh, as far as we know, it is. But we give roughly thirty seconds. We give thirty seconds for roughly every um, twenty five minutes of the show because yeah. that was the That's classic series. Yeah. Um, uh episode structure so we get a minute for these guys these new who ones yeah and it's sort of, it's interesting i the reason i love tldw even when i'm the one who has to do it is that it it's sort of i think if it if it's too complex to explain in a minute then i think we found it something wrong there's something wrong with it like the it seems like the best stories are more easily explicable is that mm. fair to say uh as a rule of thumb yeah, yeah. Though you're kind of absolving us of, <laughs> you're kind of assuming we're doing a good job every time, and once you factor in the lens and what sort of mood we're in and how we were, how we were paying attention during the episode, it might you how know, much of vary the, a little bit. I was going to say how much of the cold open we recap. Yeah, well, we've gotten better, I think, at like what the structure of these are. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think that's fair to say. I think Doctor Who works best when it is. Um, I guess straightforward is the word I'm looking for. Um, mm. That's not to say pl plot twists shouldn't be there or whatever. Obviously, we love those, but uh, there should be clear stakes. And I think that is ultimately what uh, makes makes a good story. Uh, Indeed. The stakes can change, but they it should be, shouldn't be confusing. And yeah. They shouldn't change every five minutes. Right. And, and it should be clear at any point what they actually are, uh, which is uh, definitely an issue with the story. But let's, let's bit, get into it. Bit. Let's All get right. into it. Pete, oh, you have one minute it. to recap in the forest of the night. Hold um, on, hold on, hold on. I got to breathe for yeah. a second. Okay. Close uh, tabs. Suddenly, suddenly, my mind just completely went blank, as blank as my screen right now. <laughs> which, again, I've I've disappeared everything. I've there's no yeah. notes. There's no assistance. This is purely from memory. Um, trying to recap the story of in the forest of the night. Yeah, we, when we when we become more of a YouTube podcast, we will have a, a camera trained on our screens, so so that you can see we are not we are not lying about this. We we don't have any notes. We probably recap it a lot better if we did. Um, but yeah, this this is <laughs> just just, a just bit to of fun. add add to the the pressure. I'm going to turn up my ring light. <laughs> it's like i'm being interrogated yes okay right, so mr bond you will tell us the entire plot of in the forest of the night now in the next one minute are you ready i'm ready super All villain right. <laughs> three two go okay so there's a little girl running through a forest and uh she happens upon the tardis and turns out this isn't some forest somewhere it's actually london london has been overgrown with trees and the girl turns out to be from this class from coal hill school that's actually clara's class and they've been in a museum and uh the little girl meets the doctor the doctor quickly surmises that this forest grew overnight they don't really know why they meet up with clara they try to figure it out um but the, the what they it turns out the girl who is uh has some uh, mental issues is in tune with these creatures that sort of uh or it's not that the forest itself 
And the forest has grown overnight, and, and it turns out it's been in response to a coming solar flare, which no one knew about. The solar flare is so massive, it's going to destroy the Earth. And they were assuming that maybe the trees called it, but they didn't. They're actually trying to help. The trees are going to uh, basically to put a ton of oxygen in the air and burn it off the uh, the, the solar flare, but uh, the, world, the world governments are going to destroy the trees before they know this. The, the kids make a call to stop that from happening. The happens, and it doesn't hurt anybody. <laughs> That's you, you got there in, in like a minute and three seconds. Uh, I thought that was a very good showing and uh, maybe demolishes this theory that you can <laughs> summarize a good episode. <laughs> if, if you can summarize it quickly, it's a good episode. Um, because well, I, yeah, this this one kind of left me cold. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I, I sort of stumbled, I think, a little bit in the middle there. I really wanted to get a, a line in about the Doctor and Clara and Danny's relationship and how they yes. relate to each other, because I think that's ultimately like the thing that, if, if anything succeeds in this episode, I think it's mostly that like uh, there's a lot of cute lines and a lot of neat little scenes. Uh, I think overall it, it just doesn't quite work because of the the stakes we talked about, but that stuff between Clara, the doctor and Danny. And yeah. even though not a lot's resolved, there's clear, it's clear where everyone kind of stands, which there's the, yeah, like. there's some, there's some nice, there's some nice interaction with them. Uh, I would say the, the other, the subplot that you didn't mention probably for good reason is the fact that, that Mabe, who is the little girl who the doctor finds in the forest, uh, her sister, Annabelle went missing. Right. Um, and her mom, who is so undeveloped in the script that I believe she's just called Mabe's mom. <laughs> in the uh in the cast list uh has been uh, finds her there they, they both find her there like it's this missing sister subplot that we really don't have time to care about and then she shows up at the end when all the trees disappear again and we're just like yeah so okay yeah really this one it's one of like i mean we say this about a lot of episodes but if it had time to stretch out yes i think a lot of this other stuff would have paid paid off and i don't know if it deserves to stretch out because mm. of just overall i don't think the kind of the concept kind of works so i could see like the idea of like no you got to shrink it down but then they still try to keep all these threads in like the annabelle thing in my mind just feels real like completely out of nowhere like at the mm. end it feels t like their sister comes back and that the, the trees turn into her or she was hidden there. I don't get it. I don't because I don't get it. I don't know what happens there. Yeah. And we, we uh, have comprehension whiplash. I think watching, watching this episode. Yeah. It's uh, all just, it, this is honestly probably the one of the, it's probably the worst example of Moffat treating doctor who as fantasy and not mm. science fiction, which I get, I don't think that idea alone is bad, but it's kind of, uh, what when he he turns it into this fantasy story where you kind of want to on a on a in a show that sort of tries to at least be scientific mm. you uh you just run up these alleys and at so at some point everything is just a hand wave yes and well, you're it's, just it's like, not, what, what even happened it's not the worst offender it's not even the worst offender in season eight which is what we're in. Uh, yeah, that that would, of course, be the infamous, legendarily made me claw my eyes out when I watched it. Kill the moon. <laughs> wow, claw, 
Oh God! I just and and, and it's funny that Kill the Moon does good work, by the way. <laughs> I know you can never tell the difference. Um, Kill the Moon, it just kind of ran together within the forest and the night in my mind, and I couldn't remember which was the one where the Doctor unrealistically polls the entire human race uh, at yeah, the end of the episode. Me, yeah. Or the one where the Doctor unrealistically calls the entire human race at the end of the episode. Mm. Uh, but they, they are very similar in that sense, that there's there's some really head-scratchy science involved. Like, not even, you know, just the hand-waving is not even effective. I, I remember reading one review that said that this episode was a hand-wave at a hand-wave. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't <laughs> even fair. get close to explaining how this whole thing is supposed to work. I mean, I love the idea. I'll, I'll just say this. I love stories about trees. Um, one of my hmm. favorite novels of the past decade was The Overstory by Richard Powers, which is all about trees. Highly recommend it. Love it. Uh, and by the way, uh, if you know the overstory, you'll know that the one, one of the few things in this episode where they, they could have inserted a little bit of science was to say that, yes, trees do actually communicate. Hmm. Uh, despite the fact that the Doctor ridicules the idea and calling it Tree Facebook. Uh, what was it? <laughs> Which is, is a that good what he line. says? That's a good yeah, line. Yeah, Tree Facebook. What do you think they did? They just all got together on a, a share a group <laughs> message on Tree Facebook? Just so sort of non... You know, I know that it sort of that fits Capaldi's character, but it it doesn't really fit the Doctor because the Doctor will usually believe the most outlandish things and not be very dismissive of them. But yeah, trees do communicate. Uh, they they spread warnings of predators, uh, mm. disease. They they use the mycelial network. Uh, for for Star Trek uh, Discovery fans, you'll you'll know what that is. Mm. Um, but it's a thing. We're learning more about it. So. Um, yeah, brand new science. Maybe even in 2014 when this was written, or maybe it was just before that study came out. But but yeah, trees do communicate, Doctor. So uh, name, yeah. name a story where trees were amazing. Give me a story. <laughs> Come on, man. You got to redeem this. I, I'm well, not sure I believe you, Chris. That okay. I mean, stories of trees can be good. The overstory, granted, is actually a story of uh, humans whose lives have been affected by trees, and they they connect in a very interesting way. But it's it you know it's uh, very much from the perspective of the trees that kind of you know long, slow, uh, slow time kind of thing. You know, uh, okay, I'll give you a good story with trees. Mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings, the Ents. Oh, okay, you got it. That, okay. that yeah, concept. I but it's sort of I was, antithetical. I was ready to, to yell at you about Ewoks, but never mind. <laughs> it's antithetical to what goes on here. Because whereas, you know, the Ents are so great because they move so slowly and they operate right. in a different sense of time. And we're sort of, we're in the plot at that point. We're like, come on, you know, deliver Merry and Pippin to wherever they need to go. So, you know, a tree beard has, in Lord of the Rings has a very sort of, you know, immediately feels like a character and the trees feel real to you and it's this wonderful fantasy thing. Right. Whereas here, it's it's antithetical because somehow the trees appear overnight. Mm -hmm. We don't see them appearing. We don't see them growing, which would have been just like a not a very heavy CGI lift to just see True. a few trees growing here and there. We just we see the effect of it that they've grown over the TARDIS. And um, they destroy uh, parts of Trafalgar Square. So, yeah, they they tear yeah. down Nelson's column in in record time. Um, but I think yeah. So so I I love a good tree story. I love the idea. What I wanted this episode to do in 2014, I remember watching it then and, and thinking this then, what I extra super wanted it to do in 2022 
was make some reference at all to climate change. Not as heavy-handed right. metaphor, you know, oh, the trees will save us, the, the trees have always been saving us, blah, blah, even, blah. Even though we chopped them up for furniture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I do. You're supposed to feel bad about the treatment of trees in this episode. I get it. Um, but climate change, like if that number of trees grew overnight and we do see, like we pull back and we see that the entire earth is covered in trees. So they've come somehow covered the oceans as well, which is a little yeah, weird. That, that is weird. There's a lot if, of weirdness. If that like, suddenly happened, like they could yeah. suck enough carbon out of the atmosphere. Oh yeah, that's true. That scale, that I—I I mean, maybe someone who can do the math better than I can can uh, help us out. Right in, tell us this. But I believe that even one day of carbon sucking, carbon dioxide right. sucking, if you had the entire surface area of the planet covered in trees, that would do it. That would do it. I got to say that's I like that, although. In terms of messaging, I think it gives you the opposite of what you, which is to say, like, oh yeah, go ahead and spew all that CO two, guys. The trees will just take care of it. Yeah, exactly. Have, there's no human responsibility here with with climate change. Or that's um, just one head scratching part of the premise. Well, totally, and it's it's just like in terms of the the moral of the story or the theme, I think you're dead on in that it's it's utterly, utterly unambitious and so heavy handed and just clunks you. It clunks you like Nelson's column falling out of the sky, <laughs> honestly. Like it's just okay, we get it. Um, you know, the furniture line even even smashes it uh, even uh, again on your head if you didn't if you missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like, I think you're you're right in that trees can be interesting. Trees can even be scary. Yes. And I would counter this against even another Doctor episode that I don't think people might think it compares to right out of the gate, which is um, the Keys of Marinus, which is, is, it is one of the, it's, that, that story is very interesting because it's sort of like multiple stories that it's, it's really episodic. But hmm. one of the episodes of the Keys of Marinus has, uh, features a forest that grows in, incredibly quickly. And it oh, only does so at night. So when mm. it's at nighttime and it's it's the trees grow so fast, they you could actually physically see them smash through windows and stuff. And and it's like that actually really were I remember watching that one as a kid and being actually frightened of this force hmm. that that is is just, you know, you you one, you have to stay up all night to <laughs> like Yeah. Uh, it's like the weeping angels of trees. Yeah, you can't and and it, it can actually blink. like crush things and physically and and grow and anyone who's done like yard work and gets like frustrated at the end you just kind of wonder like wow how did this vine like like look yes. what happened yeah like, how did grew, this like these invasive plants um i'm not i'm sure idea. i'm not the only person to have vines tear my fence down you know yeah, it's i mean already kind of icky and like frightening on a, a weird natural level to think of that mm. as something physical and immediate on top of that uh can be very very frightening but to your point they never do that like in fact they even the the, the stuff the doctor says in this episode about forests being inherently scary and mm. where bad things happen and there's almost like a human race memory yes that is fear of it it, it just rings hollow like you're kind of like well yeah but it's bright green here and yes. your CGI wolves and your CGI tiger aren't really freaking me out either. Like, uh, there's 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 no real visceral threat here at all in this episode, and I think it's worth the worse for it. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the tiger. First of all, before we go any further, I, I don't want to, you know, uh, Moffat blame too much. He was the showrunner, but this 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 episode was the work of Frank Cottrell Boyce, hmm. uh, who's a writer whose work I love. Uh, everywhere else, I, I really, really you wanted tell us this episode to be work, good. Chris. Yeah, so he, uh, I believe, he wrote the movie Millions. If you've seen that, about a kid who, I believe, Danny Boyle directed it. It's about a kid who finds um, uh, a million pounds. It's sort of set in an alternate world where Britain had to give up its uh, currency and join the euro. Oh, good times <laughs> when we thought that was going to happen. Um, and so it's it's like the last night. So he finds a million pounds and anyway, he has to spend yeah. it in one day. Great premise for a film. Really, really cute movie. Uh, I believe he also wrote 24-Hour Party People uh, about the Manchester music scene okay. in the 80s. Really solid film. He he also wrote the episode later on in the Capaldi run. He did Smile. Okay. Uh, the episode about the emoji robots. Not terrible. Um, Bill's, Bill's second episode. I really like that one. I think I feel that's that's an underrated Capaldi. So I don't want to go around saying that this is, uh, you know, I, I I want to give him as much leeway as possible, um, because because I like his work so much and because it's it was his first outing yeah. as a as a Doctor Who writer. Well, I mean, I, I we got to give it credit for ambition at least. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I think that's if this we were talking about the season of capaldi and i think the ambition of the science fiction in this season is probably it might be what it's best known for particularly mm -hmm. these these back-to-back -back episodes but in this case coming just right after kill the moon or two yeah. episodes, i think flatline might be in between but yeah. it's like the it's really it's too much guys like it's really like like doctor who is supposed to uh, have be all it's supposed to be one universe it's supposed mm -hmm. to make sense uh the stakes are should feel real especially when you know earth is threatened but to do two gigantic earth threatening natural phenomenon sci-fi fantasy things well nearly back to back yeah you're just kind of like I, I, what is a good show running out it's not yeah. good show running on, on Moffat's part to, to put them so close together. Cause you, you're right. I think we were kind of exhausted by Kill the Moon and wary at an episode that looked very much like it in structure um, and in incomprehensibility. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I can sort of see the path that, that uh, Boyce went down writing this. Like the, he came up with that great title in the forest of the night, which is obviously from the poem by William Blake, the tiger, 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 burning bright in the forests, plural of the <laughs> I night. Guess that's why they had to have a tiger in there somewhere. That's exactly. So that's you can see the thought process. Like, oh, that there, there would be a tiger, and I love the idea that uh, forests. You know, I, I've investigated this myself in in other circumstances. There's a great book on the uh, that a friend wrote by uh, about the history of uh, Little Red Riding Hood, the story, which has. You know, we we know the sanitized version of Little Red Riding Hood. Right. It goes way back into European history, way back, many different versions, all more gruesome and grisly and often quite disturbingly sexual uh, in parts. <laughs> um, so, wow. yeah, that, that sort of sense of there being a race memory of the forest and fairy tales come from that. That's absolutely true. You know, old Europe used to be full of scary forests. And that is 
the the basis for a lot of European fairy tales, uh, especially usually about little girls getting lost. It's almost always in fairy tales a female young female heroine. Um, so the Doctor's totally onto something there. But the the production team really let him down by choosing the least scary looking forest, and the most brightly lit forest too. I would yes. Guess. And it's sort of it's we see that it's supposed to be London because occasionally there's a telephone box in yeah. there or a double decker bus. Yeah, uh, a double decker bus. But did you notice? I didn't see this. I read about it afterwards. There's an ad for Doctor Who on the double decker bus. Yeah, I didn't see it either. I I, uh, I read about that too, and it, I think that's <laughs> a weird choice. I, I yeah. it's referencing itself within the show the show's never actually done that right well there it has remembrance of the daleks where one time yeah but it, they don't even do it it's like time for a new science fiction adventure doc and yeah. the tv turns off so they've got plausible deniability yeah. but if you put a post over the show on a double decker bus and have it in the background you you ain't got plausible deniability anymore you're breaking the fourth wall yeah i guess and it's like if we we want to indulge for a minute on what that's supposed to mean are we supposed to like we could go like okay parallel universe but then what mm. what matter how could that be if uh unless you you could argue like maybe the whole capaldi or new era is in a parallel universe mm. or maybe post cracks in time that that's what happened um, yeah there's no easy explanation like there is for the dalek invasion of earth posters that that moffat wanted to put or did did he actually succeed in putting in day of the doctor i can't remember if he actually did that, I know he wanted to have that right. and, and sort of have the explanation being yeah. that this was an American movie version of, of the doctor's adventures. Um, yeah. Well, the other uh, thing we, is the doctor is in various con- incarnations and new famous, uh, either yes. sort of president of the world famous or like actually famous, famous a la, well, this, this was, this was a, a timeline that was explicitly erased, which is, um, the, uh, sound of drums, uh, and, mm. You know he's he's a legend, and that's how he sort of reverses everything there. So, so maybe this is one of these just fan groups. You know, there's, there's that too, right? From from Love this and is, Monsters. Uh, yes, it's the Love and Monsters team. They've gone on to TV writing. I like yeah. that. Okay, and that's that's my new. It could be it could be a uh, play. It could be a state play <laughs> in the West End. <laughs> I'm gonna have to screenshot this now just and just stare yeah. at it and figure out exactly what headcanon we need around this but yeah so so to go back to that point it doesn't it doesn't feel like a scary forest it feels like a nice forest you want to be in it um and that's sort of reflective of the fact that the episode has double standards around trees here, which is like they the the forest is supposed to be scary but also it's protecting us um right and by the way can, and can we talk about the oxygen airbag yeah, How we can definitely work? talk about that. How does that work? So, so there's going to be a solar flare. The forest knows it, so it appears, and we're told that it's creating an airbag around the Earth. Is that so that the there's more oxygen in the upper atmosphere, so it burns off, so it doesn't reach the lower atmosphere? But why would it not reach the lower, lower atmosphere? That's kind of where I I kind of go with this, and uh, I don't know. Like like Moffat has said, and I. I I'd like him to show his work here, which is to say that <laughs> scientists said it's plausible or it works. So they ran it by somebody, whether it's <laughs> him or the writer. Well, again, please show your work. Like, I, I don't know if I believe you because it sounds like if there's more oxygen in the atmosphere, wouldn't that be a more catastrophic event? And even if you believe that, okay, it only burns off oxygen in the upper atmosphere, 
that the energy discharge of that, like, wouldn't that do something to the earth? You know, like there's all these uh, levels to it. And there's another thing, like, uh, uh, here's the other thing that I found weird. Earlier on in the episode, there's the hazmat team that's trying to burn the trees and it doesn't work because apparently those trees are, I guess a little more sentient and can sap the oxygen because the, the the doctor just, again, it's a hand wave, like they control the oxygen. So I thought that was saying what's going to happen is the trees mm. are going to suck all the oxygen out at a key that time. would at least be consistent. Yeah. And I, I did look this up. There is science that suggests that if you uh, reduce the percentage of oxygen in the atmosphere to, I think, 15% mm-hmm. stuff doesn't burn. It needs to be up around yeah, like the twenty five percent level. Yeah, it's a. The, the, I don't know what the exact levels are, but I've definitely heard that. That as long you, you, once you reduce the oxygen, it, things like it just can't burn or burn yeah. or they smolder. So like, there's no flame. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then that, that is actually there's a new firefighting technique which is which is coming online. <laughs> not not soon enough for California, let me tell you. But uh, there's a new firefighting technique where they basically just. It's a blast of air that blows the oxygen out of the fire, out of the area. Okay. It's, it's almost like you just point this this air blasting technology at the tree that's on fire, and it just inst- the fire instantly goes out. It's fantastic technology. That's awesome. And maybe it's sort of using the same principle. In California. Yeah, seriously, uh, I cannot take another fire season here. I'll tell you that. Um, but. Yeah, uh, so so use that, but at least even be in. If you're hand waving, be consistent with your hand waves. Right. So if if the trees can suck oxygen out of the atmosphere, and you spent so much time explaining that that can happen, and you've got this cobra team. By the way, why why the hell have cobra? <laughs> why not why not any of the other organizations that Doctor Who has given us? But anyway, uh, they they try to burn the tree, they fail. Why not have that be the Chekhov's gun for for the ending? And there's there's like there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of they set this up as this, but then it's that, but then they forget about that, so it's this again. And uh, and like I was saying about stretching it out, it's a nugget, right? Like they kind of mm-hmm. like without without the hazmat guys, without the cobra team, uh, the defoliation is all theoretical, right? Like what mm-hmm. the thing they talk about at the end, because otherwise, because you don't see any of it, you just I think you hear a broadcast when they talk about the cobra name, but that's it, and so you you kind of need that scene but you also kind of want more there on every level like you want to see one of these people you want to have one of them be a character you want to hear more about the defoliation plan escalating from burning to chemicals and mm. you know experience a little bit more of that fear from the world at large yes. which would be good and visceral but again and we'll get we'll get to it in a bit it's really it ends up being more about this personal story between the doctor and clara and uh danny um but you know all this other stuff they put around it you're just not buying it you know it just doesn't make sense and honestly like now to to get into a bit of a fanboy critic of these kind of things the whole idea that you know this solar flare burns off the excess oxygen or you know gets sucked out whatever something happens and everything just goes back to normal. Like everything's fine. Everything is basically reset. Um, way too hand wavy. And they they do this a lot. And it's not just Moffat. I mean, Davies has done this too with hmm. um, Journey's End, uh, yeah. where the, the Earth gets steered back. Um, but Moffat has probably done it more. 
Uh, I'm thinking also specifically of like uh, the slow invasion with um, the, the power of three, but it's mm-hmm. like, there's, there's no long-term effect, like nothing like those trees seemingly broke through concrete at least like there's got to be billions of dollars of property damage. like why isn't this a thing that's just referred to or talked yeah. about these world changing like world threatening stakes like i would i would like to see as a fan references to those episodes more right like that, that like oh this one time that this thing happened and because of the trees destroying cities by breaking through the concrete, there was a massive reconstruction program and maybe there's interesting things to be had said by that. That would be fun. There's all these little opportunities you could have with it and they never mention it. And and because of that, it just, you, ju- you just don't feel it. You don't feel like this is one universe and I really want to. Anyway, that's a bit of a, <laughs> it's a bit of a fan rant, but I think it's valid because Moffat does this all the time. It's just reset button, reset button, reset button. Yeah. And at some point it's just like, if this is supposed to be the same universe, that that shouldn't just be a reset button. Yeah, I mean, he, he really uh, it's it's an issue over and over again in in New Who, especially that like they they reference it sometimes and then they don't reference it other times. Um, well, Davis yeah, was again, better at doing it, right? Like he really was mm. sort of world building a little more there with mm. references back to previous seasons and uh, the the arc plots he did in. Uh, you know, he he would hand wave what he needed to hand wave, certainly. But uh, you did get more of a sense that, like, oh yeah, Torchwood uh, connecting this, you know, the the Pete's world, and like there there was just more there. There was like, mm-hmm. oh, like even if it wasn't a planned nugget that turned out to be something later, like he he would go out of his way to build on things he'd already set, and that right. was very appreciated. So I look forward to more of that when he returns. I hope. Yeah, and, and why do so so the trees could just appear and disappear at will. We learn this only at the end of the episode. <laughs> Again, right. it would have been nice to insert that information earlier. But also, they are real and physical enough to tear down Nelson's column. Now, I, I, I literally just uh, typed in, did, did Admiral Nelson have a wooden leg? Because I was trying to find some reason. This is the extent to which we Who fans will go to make the show make sense. Uh, I'm Googling about whether Lord Nelson had a wooden leg, and maybe that's why the trees had it in for him. That's why they tore down the column. It's the only actual destruction that we see in this episode from the forest suddenly appearing around the world. Um, but no, he did not. He lost an arm, not a leg. Uh, so they've really got no reason to tear Nelson's column down other than trees are just being assholes. Um, but like, why, why is there no effect around the world? We, we, we even have that little clip at the start of like news stories from around the world and, and the greatest problem elucidated in those little clips of reporters is that a, a football match uh, has to be delayed because, <laughs> because the pitch is covered in trees. Like, talk about not really explaining the stakes. And also emergency I, services can't get to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I wanted this to be reality. I, I'm so... You know, in common with a lot of people, I'm I'm afraid of what climate change is going to wreak. I'm here in California. I'm seeing the brunt of it with the fires, and you, you may think I w- might not want more trees for that reason. But literally, we I mean, rewilding is a thing, right? It's a legit thing. It's a legit way to uh, suck carbon out of the atmosphere. And you see statistics like if if we just let half the world's fields lie fallow within a couple of years, we would have enough of a carbon sink to 
basically solve the climate change problem over, over time, right? Suck enough CO2 out of the atmosphere. So okay. watching this again, as in the 2020s, as the climate change crisis gets worse and worse, um, it really is like, what's the problem? And why <laughs> do we want these trees to disappear at the end? Let's just... They're in the I'm, way, Chris. Yeah. They're in the way. They're, they're in the way, they're yeah. Good furniture because they don't have the rings, right? They don't have that texture that... Uh, although they That's may, the other they thing. Gorgeous furniture, like really pure wooden furniture. If, if they could see. just... Yeah, yeah it, I mean, there's so much. Also, with with that many trees, we could legitimately have a logging industry again, you know, and and we could have a furniture provide oh, jobs for the entire planet. I mean, it's just mentioned print. Bring back newspapers. We have the trees for it now. Like there'd be paper oh, mills in every okay. town, you know, works. With, it sounds like a freaking utopia. And then they just go and disappear on us at the end. Yeah. Well, I could, do they disappear or do they burned away? I guess it's both. Mm. I don't get it. Like I, again, it's very uh, hand wavy and unclear exactly what happens. Well, um, they, they turn into fireflies, which right, is again, that. another thing that happens that, that Mabe, uh, when, when she, she's sort of flapping her arms in front of her face, Right. Which will get into the discussion of, you know, why she, why her schoolmates thinks think she's doing that, but it turns out that she's seeing fireflies, which the doctor is able to make visible with the sonic, but it, again, not being consistent because we've told the sonic doesn't work on wood, no moving parts, no circuits, um, and so he can manifest oh. the fireflies, and those fireflies are the trees. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, like, it's never clear. Like, you just say, we're here, and we've always been here, and so they're referred to as the here, I guess. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It's um, a very mofty name, Mr. The a Silence. a lot of weird naming going on in this this season. The Boneless, which I actually was kind of <laughs> cool, but, you know, there's there's naming going, uh, naming gone wild. Um, mm. But I, I, I just don't think it adds anything. Like, there's, it's really only there to give the Maeve plot something mm. and it's never really done in a satisfying way. Like essentially, um, you know, justifies, well, it's like she, she's experienced loss. So therefore mm -hmm. she's always looking, she's more aware. Um, in, in addition to her mental condition, which apparently uh, I'm not sure which came first, right. The having the loss or that she has mental issues or they just sort of yeah. both combined. And so because of that, she can sort of, she's attuned to these creatures, uh, whatever they are, are they the trees? Are they in addition to the trees? Are they, uh, is it like a Gaia force? It's never, never really clear, but it's really only there not to give that answer. It's there so that her sister can come back at the end and give her that happy ending. Mm. Um, but it all just feels super duper contrived and like, okay, like, and, and you never really feel it like her journey or where she's going. Like, well, first of all, it's out of nowhere at the end. You're like, oh, okay, I guess. Mm. Um, well, not entirely out of nowhere. She does say at the end of her phone call to the entire planet, you know, and Annabelle, if you can hear this, please come home. Right. Which might, might have, if we'd had any more room to breathe in this episode to, uh, care about our character that might've hit home. A little bit more and it might have been more more meaningful when annabelle does actually return instead of just oh she was hiding behind that bush the whole time well 
back on the fireflies for a bit like why don't these creatures ever give a straight answer you know mm. like why 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 did they have to sort of discern what was happening i guess dramatic for the fact because why don't they just go the the, the solar flare is coming we're here to protect you you know yeah. like don't burn us down you know? <laughs> okay yeah instead of putting on the scary voice talking through a small child which is always scary and uh telling us that they, they've always been here they we right. have been here before you we will be here after you <laughs> i mean how many the doctor if i was the doctor i'd just roll my eyes at that because how many creatures have told you that okay you're old we get it you know <laughs> as old as the universe whatever uh that doesn't tell me much about now like that's that's like walking into a cocktail party and introducing yourself to everyone by your age <laughs> i am older than you i was you know, go around go around a party uh once there are parties again um post omicron um and, and just tell people uh younger than you look for people younger than you at the party tell them you were around before they existed see how well you get on there i think the, the trees Excuse need some did you know I'm considerably older than you <laughs> And then, and I will be here after you. You know, throw that in there. Then it gets really creepy. Yeah, um, like you're in, <laughs> you're in scream. Um, <laughs> but yeah, trees not not the greatest social skill. So maybe they did need tree tree Facebook. Yeah, uh, or maybe they're just arguing with each other on tree Facebook with their tree crazy uncles who have tree conspiracy theories. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, family squabbles, shall we get mm. to the what I say is I think is the heart of this episode, which is mm. um, deepening the relationship and sort of lines between Clara, the doctor and Danny. And I guess I might open this with a question, right? Um, with, with the, the background being that, OK, here it's exposed. Clara's exposed that she's been traveling with the doctor and staying in touch with the doctor, even mm. though she had told Danny at some previous, I forget exactly the arc of this exact arc of this season, but at some point she said she's going to not do that anymore. Just right, um, and it's exposed that she is. Um, and Danny seems to really take it in stride, and I'm kind of like I thought by the end of this episode they would have broken up over it. Honestly, yeah. Well, uh, she's busted because I mean, and first of all, it does really feel like she's busted, like it's an affair that's been uncovered, right? Rather than just oh, it's just going off in this time machine with this dude. Um, yeah, and uh, it's, yeah, it's actually what's... the stakes in the episode that you feel right, like yeah. everything else is like whatever, and this is like oh, okay. She but might. she's busted because she didn't do marking. She didn't do the, mark the kids' homework, hmm. which uh, seems like more of a problem on Clara's part. That like she's we know from time of the Doctor that Clara has used uh, the TARDIS like she uses iPlayer to watch TV shows that she's missed. Um, she's a functioning TARDIS holic. Yes. Yeah. So you'd think that if if you want to be functional, then you know all the homework and marking is right there in the TARDIS and piles of it, and you should have should have done that, uh, especially if you're trying to cover up to Danny Pink. I don't know. I think you're right that, that Danny Pink. This is a really strong episode for him, and it's sort of nicely cementing his character before he spoiler alert, but not for Paul to open listeners dies in the next episode. Hmm. Um. So I like that fact. And I like, the, I mean, the, the, his strongest line in the episode is, I believe, also the strongest line in the episode where he says, you know, Clara is like, you, you want to come see the, the solar flare from up above the planet? 
And he's like, no, I, I want to, you know, I was a soldier. I saw too many things. I want to concentrate on seeing things that are right in front of me. Yeah. Which is beautiful. It's a beautiful line, a beautiful sentiment. And well, really. Not only is it beautiful, I, I, I agree with you. That's the best line in the whole, well, maybe not the best line in the whole episode, but his strongest line perhaps in his whole arc. And um, it really underscores the line between him and Clara, how different mm. they are and how different, honestly, their values are, which regardless of the betrayal here, I think that's the reason to break up in my mm. view. Like, like looking at this from a sort of relationship uh, and anal analysis point of view, why would you continue to date this person who, as much as you might like them, probably doesn't have your values, and yeah. you probably don't want to create a life with them. So again, love is not really quantifiable. It's not logical. Mm. So, you know, I'm not trying to say that. Like, like in other words, like, okay, it's still, I, I don't think the death in heaven stuff is stupid because of it. I think their relationship gets to work, but it's like, for, uh, it, it, it uh, they never quite answer that, right? Uh, mm. Like why? Like there's no bookended scene. Like we're we should stay together because X or Y or feelings. All right. I mean, it's just sort of implied, and I don't. I think it's a little bit weak. Um, yeah, for that yeah. We we broke up over irreconcilable differences. She was more of a time traveler, and I was more of a time staycationer. Um, <laughs> the Doctor Who equivalent of a little bit country, yeah. a little bit rock. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it, it is odd. I mean, I, I can I can buy that they would have irreconcilable differences in their relationships, but still like each other. That's that's definitely par for the course in uh, relationships, in my experience. Um, and kind of you you work through that stuff, and maybe perhaps they they would have worked through that stuff. I I do remember, by the way, at the beginning of of Dark Water, Clara has all those post it notes, right, and they're talking mm -hmm. on the phone right before he dies. Um, and most of the post-it notes say, just tell him. Just, right. just tell him what? Because now I'm remembering that he, she was actually busted in terms of having traveled with the doctor. So what was she? It, she's just telling him how, how she feels about him, right? It's not just that, was it's not that there's there. another shoe to drop. Well, he also, knows everything now. Yeah, now he's just found out that she's still, quote-unquote, seeing the doctor. So yeah, um, yeah it's one of those... <laughs> But it's okay. It's okay. He's not in a sexy incarnation anymore. <laughs> <laughs> totally. He's too old for me now, all of a sudden. Yeah. So in other words, like, I guess it, we're seeing these out of sequence. So, um, and mm. intentionally so. So I don't know if mm -hmm. it's, we should go too far into it, but it's like going from here to dark water where she's like, uh, they basically say, I love, they, I love you to each other and deepen mm -hmm. their relationship it actually does feel like a non sequitur to me. And maybe I'm just cold. Maybe I'm just like <laughs> too logical about relationships. That's fine. Feel free to call me out on that to pull the open listeners. But I feel like this is the breakup episode. And to go I think it's there, fair. there, it's like, I, I don't, I don't get it. Look, we, we all have our own deal breakers and I can certainly see a lot of Doctor Who fans agreeing with you, Pete, that a deal breaker should be, you you should want to travel on the TARDIS if you get the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, right? Robert came around. Yeah, you know? I mean, who who wouldn't? Yes, I get that you're a soldier and you want to focus on things that are right in front of you. But actually, in the spirit of the forest of the night, I'm going to now say that was a bad line because the TARDIS <laughs> is right in front of him. 
if you want to focus on things that right that's right in front of you, this impossible time machine, it's right there. Why not focus uh, on it? That could have been the counter. That's a good line. <laughs> yeah. We should have edited that script. Yeah, Mr. Zen. Mr. I want to be mindful of everything in my immediate frame of reference. How about that bloody police box? Yeah. So so speaking of a few things that I also think work in this episode in terms of lines, I, I, I do like, just generally as a pair, Coleman and Capaldi, mm. I think over their entire run, as we've visited many times now, there's there's <laughs> this evidence grows throughout their they their chemistry is good i really like the initial phone call where she thinks she's got something awesome like oh something crazy sci-fi happened to me and mm-hmm. he's and he basically is like i saw it first it's like, um so that was really funny um there's bits about him joking about Les Mis, I think, like being too long. And I, uh, now, is he talking about the musical or the book? I, I don't know, uh, but honestly, like, I hope he's talking about the musical because <laughs> I, I count me in the camp of like, I don't, I don't know what the fuss is about. Everyone, it's a lot of singing about being poor and stuff. And yeah, <laughs> like I tried watching the um, the most recent version, the one with Russell Crowe, and and yeah, I, I had to stop that halfway through uh so i'm down with it on the movie movie level never seen the musical i guess he must be referring to the musical because we all know that the doctor could read books in five seconds yeah that's true so and he's probably hung out with victor hugo so i'm sure you know he should really have specified that he meant the musical yeah and should have have dropped a few more names and talked about how he tried to talk (laughs) him out of certain things yes exactly uh, i I tried to tell victor hugo not to sell the musical rights (laughs) 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 that might have worked um yeah all the clara stuff i think works really well even if there's not a lot of um progress here um it's just it shows their their deep relationship their easygoingness mm. and it conjures up uh, some good lines so i've got to give even sort of a what many might consider a clunker uh, capaldi episode points for that i like his description of clara as was it surprisingly round face hmm. at, at the start where where mabe just finds her way onto the tardis which by the way in itself is a plot hole um, that she gets into the, how does she get into the TARDIS right how does she uh, how, no how does she get out of the museum right somehow she's gotten out of the museum the we just sort of missed that whole bit that's true yeah. so maybe she must have found some other exit maybe there was like a window in a bathroom or something maybe we're, we're going to get to it early again the where was the Clara Splinter question oh, that's a good question <laughs> we can that. though I feel like in this we're post uh, Night of the Doctor or uh, post Time of the Doctor, whatever, the, whatever, the name of the Doctor. <laughs> name of the Doctor. We're post that. Did, did, are there Clinter splinters, Clara splinters post well, does, Name of the Doctor? Doesn't she splinter through his entire timeline, past and future? I guess. I guess it uh, depends on what camp you come in on and whether Trenzalore even happens anymore. Mm. Right? Like, does was Trenzalore his tomb because the Matt Smith Doctor actually died? And then did he change that? And therefore, is that even his tomb anymore? Does, has he changed his entire timeline? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, 
Well, given that we we always ask this question about the Clara Splinter, uh, I, I believe it should be pulled yeah, to open headcanon that it, that it's because there are so many plot holes in this one that she could solve this different version of Clara, mm-hmm. um, who is not locked in the museum, could come and, and let Maeve out by a back door or a window or something, and be uh, and and sort of fulfill that whole thing of like Clara told me to come, uh, Miss Oswald told me to come or whatever she oh. says. Oh. You know what? That totally works. It works so yes. well in this episode. I'm going to go. Uh, it's forcing me into that interpretation of Grenzelore. Of, of like, splinter theory. Still, it still happens. It still is tomb. It's in the future yes. somewhere. So Clara got splintered throughout his entire timeline. Like known to uh, known too. to known to splinterologists as the post Trenzalore interpretation. <laughs> um. Awesome. Wow, we can get really nerdy on this. Uh, we'll, of we'll running s- around London alone yes. in, when there's a forest. I mean, again, this is a nitpick a bit because the plot's the plot. But like, well, nobody else is around. Like, nobody. Yeah. There's the doctor, the kids, and the hazmat guys. Yeah, and I don't think you see a single other person. My immediate thing was, why didn't we see? Why didn't social media say anything? We are firmly uh, in the social media era here. Yeah. Uh, although, is it supposed to be 2016? Another weird thing that this episode yeah. does is pushes us forward two years. Not weird at all, though. I actually really appreciated that as like a, a nitpicky fan because yeah. I, a Doctor Who in New Who, and they haven't always been great at this, but mostly they've been good, is is putting in those gaps and chronicle putting putting episodes chronologically where they should be because of them. So, what am I talking about? I'm talking about um the gap the first one is is actually it's a right away right rose is taken out of time for a year mm. between a couple of episodes mostly as a funny thing to do but it's right this again this is like what the great thing about davies he he dealt with it like it was like nope she's back a year and they don't erase it and it there's actually reverberations from that you know throughout yep. that episode of that season so that's that's great that's how you should treat episodes like this um but they also knew who was really good about building in that gap after that. So now once she came back, everything was one year in the future. And there was another one in Matt Smith. I actually mentioned it earlier, the, the slow invasion, which took like a year. Uh, and there's mm. been like a couple of others. So, so generally what, what they, they did with Capaldi was when they did refer to the present day, they typically were like plus two years. Mm. Um, so so the, it's never explicit. Uh, which is good. I think you you to to make sure people can have different interpretations of things. If you don't want to lock your thing into a date, you shouldn't. Uh, but he's because he mentions like, oh, plant something, and in 2016 it's this. So mm. is that definitive? Does it mean it's 2016? It could be. I mean, why else would he say the year? But um, it is like well, it gives you enough ambiguity that if you really yeah. wanted to be 2014 or 2018, you could. So anyway, that makes it me even more of the social media era. Um, totally. And that that would that perhaps would have been a better use of that scene at the start instead of seeing reporters around the world. I'd love to see sort of you know shaky cell phone footage of trees appearing overnight, and mm. then that that would make that would leap that hurdle that I'm just not believing that nobody saw this happen. Like we just woke up and the trees were there. Here's what I think. Here's my theory. Um, I, I'm going to blame Moffat for this, even though I have no evidence, but I'm going to do it <laughs> because. He was so criticized for in Flesh and Stone showing the Weeping Angels move. 
Mm. Um, clearly, I think it seared him that <laughs> it basically because you know, I think universally the the consensus is now that that was a big mistake, like that they should never have shown the Angels moving. Right. Um, and I think that's very clear from the most recent Angels episode, uh, Village of the Angels, where mm. um, there's there, there's even some opportunities to do it. I think, and they never they never show it. So right. I think he he's sort of thinking wrongly in this case that oh it's actually more scary to 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 not see the the the, moosh, the motion there mm. um whereas i think it, it, that's the wrong call for the very reason one it's like it would be cool to see but also like i think it is scary to to sort of watch it's almost like a creature emerging like to watch a, a tree suddenly mm. grow or like come out of yeah, like, exactly. like familiar yet unfamiliar like the the it would it would be really really terrifying uh, on some level, yeah, and and plays to our to our deep dark fears of the deep dark forest. Um, yeah. Have you ever absolutely. seen those like hyper accelerated uh, time lapse videos of nature? Yeah. Some of them can be really awful, like in, in terms of like visceral experience. So, like uh, I remember once one of these nature documentaries, they showed uh, a dead carcass like getting overrun by bugs and decomposing and eaten away in in seconds, and you're just like, oh, like like seeing it done that quickly you like seeing this mm. natural thing accelerated you're just like like it just shakes you uh on a visceral level yeah i i kind of i i really would like to have seen a version of in the forest of the night where we don't have the, the bad cgi tiger and wolves yeah. as uh as the villains i know you kind of have to go there if you're going to the poem the tiger and that's where the thought process was but what what if the forest itself was kind of indifferent to humanity instead of trying to protect us? What if it was the forest trying to protect itself? Yeah, from the solar flare, and we're just we just happen to be in the way, and then you could have the forest being a bit more evil, and maybe some you know creepers growing around Clara at some point, you know, uh, getting getting a, that, that classic who thing of oh no, I'm trapped by this, you know, I'm entwined in this uh, in these leaves in this branch. You could have much more of that well, instead of having even, the forest be nice. And you could make it even like if you thought about it, I'm not sure exactly what you'd have to workshop this on like, it's not just the forest grow. There are slightly more specific things they need to do, like maybe blot mm -hmm. out all the buildings or mm -hmm. uh, get to a certain height so that they're for their plan to work, which gives the, 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 the forest goals that they yeah. get like seriously like so like if we, don't know, if we don't know what those goals are there's your danger right mm. there's the like so clara isn't necessarily working against the trees but they're he she's in the way gets tied up or something and they have to fight the forest and then it becomes mm. this interesting physical conflict too that that would be a good episode good job chris thank you <laughs> again big finish call us um <laughs> Now, it is weird because they, despite this being a fantasy notion, they do want to throw in references to real, real world things. And one of them is the, the, the Tungu, Tunguska, Tunguska right. explosion. Am I pronouncing that right? Uh, famous uh, uh, <laughs> asteroid impact, uh, the largest recorded in modern history in 1908, uh, in, uh, where it landed in Siberia. Oh, yes, yes, right. And the doctor said that that should have knocked the Earth off its axis or something. Yeah, he, he implied that that would have been another world-shattering thing. 
Um, which okay, maybe. I, I think um, he literally says it would have knocked the Earth off its axis, which is just this. That is that is kill the moon physics, right there. That is no, an asteroid impact cannot knock the world off its axis. I mean, it, it would have to be significantly larger, but we we've, we've been hit by asteroids all the time, and it's not just that the, the trees uh, <laughs> provided a soft cushion. It's basically um, yeah, uh, like when when you're boxing you're training in boxing and someone has one of those super thick catcher's mitts that you're yeah. boxing into. It's like they decided to do that. Yeah. Again, I can see how he got there because I'm just Googling it now. And I, I noticed that the, there's a very mysterious aspect of that, of that asteroid, which is that it didn't leave a crater. Hmm. Those trees. Um, those the trees theory is that it was an airburst, an atmospheric explosion, still enough to cause massive damage to the forest in the region. So he probably, you know, this may be a case of too much research and too much that you're trying to squeeze in and it just you you don't quite squeeze it in fully so you you kind of flick at it and the, but then that sort of part of the script becomes a shadow of itself because the original point of putting it in is lost and it just all gets flattened and yeah. compromised you know i've got it uh, they, they bounced off the trees were that <laughs> thick <laughs> that's why there's no crater they created an airbag and it just sort of skim bounced off the surface of the earth uh yeah <laughs> i um, mean you'd almost think they'd go there right given these ridiculous moon creatures and this forest it's like yeah but so sure why not <laughs> it bounced off the earth um, yeah but yeah they, they, they tried to work it in um i mean does it work any worse or le- less more or less than the rest of the episode i don't know but yeah, I think it, it falls apart under any scrutiny. It really does, which is unfortunate. And uh, it's it's interesting. So, so do you have any theories on why the randomizer brought us here? Well, it's a good question. Um, I I had one, and it's gone right out of my head. No, I think <laughs> well, I I got one. I can fill time with one. Uh, okay. What do you think of that? But I uh, I think that it's been on this whole kick since the God Complex of asking the question i've mentioned this before what makes scary villain and and what like the the villains have been getting more and more minimal in the episodes that we've been visiting from from the super cute fendaline to the uh super cute cybermat to here in this episode really no villains at all mm-hmm. or the villains are fireflies or the villains are wolves and a tiger that you see for a minute mm. villains are, are trees yeah i i think yeah. it's it's getting us to question what's what's an effective yeah doctor who villain and certainly i'm still in the camp that run down cybermen probably not the best choice um but Mm. in here yeah i i think this one might even be questioning on that score like if you if there isn't a villain is it a doctor who episode right right because um like i say they they clearly they wanted to do more of a personal story with an environmental message to it Mm -hmm. and um, tried to do it in this. In, uh, they tried to do it in this sort of modern way, where there's no violence and yeah. not even anything evil. And I get what you're trying to do. It just does not resonate without any kind of like peril or stakes. And and, and this uh, is in fact the first again a segment we're going to get to a little bit early, uh, or maybe getting to it right on time. What if the evil plot had succeeded? Right. Well, actually, I, we I just remembered what I thought. Oh, why I think the randomizer brought us here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the scene we already talked about, which is 
um, the where Danny Pink describes sort of his life philosophy and the the things that matter to him are the things that are mm. right in front of him. And this we're seeing this very soon after the Green Death, where yeah. Joe had a similar conclusion, but this is at the end of being a companion of the Doctor. Like she, and it, it's almost like I would interpret it in Joe's journey in some ways as arriving to be sort of becoming a Danny through that theory, like yes. knowing that the wonders and having been uh, enticed by them for a long time, but now kind of outgrowing them now wanting to do something a little more personal, a little more grounded, if you will. Um, and re- coming to realize that's who she is. And I think that's kind of what this is. It's, I think if there's a reason, it's sort of not, uh, I, I, we might've been a little harsh on Danny or I might've been earlier, but I, I not trying to be, I, I never wanted to be. I think that mm. is, uh, I think his philosophy is very, very good. Um, and I think as much as you might want to, you know, indulge in uh, your planet desiring um, <laughs> instincts all the time, yeah. it's probably yeah. ultimately not a good idea. And I think that's a that's a good message, honestly, even for Doctor Who fans are like, yeah, this is a great escape, you know, and uh, I like watching it. But it, would, would, should I binge it every single day of my life every day? No, that's probably not a good idea. You're not. No, don't do that. So. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's watch it once a week like us. Um, yeah. And there's also, you bring up a good point, uh, about, uh, or this sort of segues into a good point about companions, but who isn't, isn't a companion. Right. That's definitely something that the randomizer seems to be interested in. It was brought up in the God complex as well, where True. the doctor almost gets a new companion, but not quite definitely brought up in closing time. Yes. Doctors traveling alone. And this question of does Craig count as a companion? What's your what's your take on that? Um, I'll start with my answer and work back from it, which is yes, <laughs> Craig is absolutely a companion. <laughs> yes. um, I think that we Even need. Though he doesn't travel in the TARDIS, which is sort of Craig, the traditional definition. We need a more sophisticated filter mm-hmm. than doing that, because I would argue the Brigadier was a companion well before the Three Doctors, which I believe is the first time he travels in the TARDIS. Right. So the. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the common standard is. I'd have to think that through a little more, but Craig is everything is companion supposed to be, which is that he helps the doctor. He recognizes, um, remember in that episode that he is safer around the doctor and Mm. they just kind of get each other and need each other. And um, so Craig, in my mind, completely is a companion. And certainly, certainly if we're counting Adam Mitchell, who, who right. literally only did the one thing of traveling in the TARDIS and never connected with the Doctor on any level, uh, other than being kind of a nuisance and, and screwing up things. Yeah, um, they weren't really friends. The, yeah. the, there has to be sort of a, you know, you can say traveling on the TARDIS is a good metric, but maybe just friendship with the Doctor is a better metric. Then again, that would that would give him companions in almost every episode. It's got to be uh, deeper than that. I, I agree. Yeah. Like, it, and, and I, or maybe we just need to really define friendship better because there's a, a, a plenty of acquaintances of the Doctor all over. But and I think if we really yeah. look at friend versus acquaintance, the filter gets a little better. Like someone maybe yeah. maybe the word to use here is not friend, not companion, not assistant, but the one that Craig actually uses in closing time, which is mates. Mm. Uh, when when you when you 
you've had more than one adventure with the doctor you're kind of mates uh i also like using that word because it reminds me of the whole mishearing with that donna does when when donna starts traveling yes. on the tires <laughs> you just want to mate <laughs> you're not mating with me sunshine <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, I mean, it's they, they had such good chemistry, and that's a very memorable line. But yeah, yeah. Craig was absolutely a companion. Does but getting back to this episode, is Danny Pink a companion? Because mm. he's traveled in the TARDIS. Yes, but he also he and the Doctor definitely have a strained relationship. Mm. Strained and strange. Um, I I never liked the Doctor calling him PE. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they ever did that, that honestly. It, it never, it's yeah, never felt right. Uh, he's clearly making fun of him, and I, mm. I, even putting aside the the potential racist connotations of that, like mm-hmm. I'm very like, it's just being a dick, man. Like, why yeah, are you doing and, that? And the, and the doctor doesn't do that. He doesn't like, and certainly, like I, I get that they were trying to make the Capaldi Doctor kind of a bit more of an asshole, a bit different, and a bit uh, a bit in the you know the thick of it ish. Um, I mean, you it's know, mean to Danny, it's that, mean but... to Clara, and it's mean to yeah. PE teachers. Yes. Okay? Like, it's and not... to math teachers, yeah. which is what Danny actually is. And he's a not good okay. math teacher. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, leave leave teachers alone, damn it, doctor. You're, you're a teacher yourself. You know, you really, you know, that that's basically been your function. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, entire time. I, I think they're, they were trying to do a thing with that to maybe close the book on it a bit, is that there's sometimes it's kind of a charming in joke when someone sort of gets mm. their name wrong and it just becomes the thing that they call them. And I, I, for whatever reason, this is rocketing to the front of my brain, which is uh, the first season of Remington steel where oh, wow. there was a, a secretary called this Fox, Bernice Fox. And like the, what the running joke it was that uh, steel played by Pierce Brosnan would always call her Ms. Wolf. <laughs> and it was just one of those things and it was just it was just kind of a funny thing they had at some point right yeah. like and it's clever it's not demeaning yeah exactly it's mm. not it's not demeaning i think that's that's the thing and I, I maybe this is speaks to the doctor's i don't know his his social awkwardness maybe he doesn't understand the difference between the two this particular mm. incarnation anyway yeah clara just really needed to write it on a note card for him Hmm. Uh, yes, <laughs> Danny is a nice book. man, even though he's a soldier, and he teaches math, not PE. And you can just look at that flashcard over and over. Um, but I agree but with yeah, you; that I mean, never it's... landed right. I, I, I should never have happened, really. And if uh, it's also just occurred to me, do, do, does the TARDIS move with the kids in it? Are all those kids technically companions by the old definition? Uh, I mean, I, I again, I don't know if it was the old definition. There was obviously always a, a filter of some kind because it had to be like between episodes, right? Or yeah, because it's like there's Scott in Earthshock and his soldiers all mm. get transferred. So the doctors definitely trans- transported people, even even Einstein at one point. So because <laughs> Albert Einstein a companion, probably not. Um, so there's there's kind of like yeah, I think between if if it is just the TARDIS filter, then it, it, I think it would have to be between episodes. Yeah. yeah, and he leaves with you at the end of an adventure, right? And and you are mates, right? And you're mates, which w- you which would, which would remove the which would remove Adam from the list. Yeah, uh, seems to be the most problem common problem with that definition. So All right, so we've solved that. Remove, that. Yeah, I'd remove the the TARDIS requirement, and Craig is 100 percent a companion. Into it. Yep. 
let's everyone adjust your spreadsheets. Um, <laughs> now we've done that, let's let's talk about what, what if, if the evil plot has succeeded. Yeah. Is there an evil plot in this episode, or is the very is this the very first pull to open episode where we have to say there was no evil plot? Wow. Wow. This is a thinker. Mm. I mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with there was no evil plot. Yeah. Yeah. There, there isn't. The the trees could have been evil. Uh they didn't they, they saved us. No nobody was really plotting. Not even the doctor had a had a plot except maybe sort of leaving. Yeah. But then maybe well, sort the, of ultimately the solution is do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a thing. <laughs> the trees get it's another not the red reason ring. why why this this uh episode seems strangely inert. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Even though it's supposed to be the highest stakes, you'd never ever buy it. Yeah. Yeah. What if the evil plot had succeeded? Well, maybe that football match wouldn't have gone ahead. <laughs> I guess Pitch. okay, okay. If we really want to do this, the evil plot is the world governments burning down the trees before right. they have a chance to save everybody. Which maybe that evil plot succeeds in the far future when mm. earth is devastated by solar flares so they as the doctor nice. says this is dismissed as a fable which is like oh okay i guess mm-hmm. no one no one took a single picture this is like the the hand waving of the monks again too um yes so so that if that evil plot succeeded then the earth the, the solar flares happen uh depending on when that's supposed to happen either a thousand years early or like ten thousand years early isn't uh, it? It's it's the Arkan space where we're told there's been a solar flare, right? And so uh, the dating of that story versus the Beast Below, which also uh, mm. seems to reference it. Like there's some debate: is it the 30th century? Because the Arkan space was actually f- way further out than the 30th century, and they they went back mm. to the 30th century, which is when sort of Revenge of the Cybermen is, according to sort of timelines. So, so presumably, sometime around the 30th century, uh, Earth's population decides that we do want to burn all the trees down, and they they get past the the no oxygen problem, and then then they get killed by a solar flare. So, right, that's an evil plot, and it succeeds, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could say that the evil plot does succeed just later. But if it did uh, yeah, succeed here, basically thanks, what happens is what Clara predicts, which is that everybody dies. The Earth is devastated early. There aren't any colonies out there. Um, so it's the end of the human race, except for mm. whoever the doctor saves or whoever might not, who might be off planet. It would have been really nice to have that defoliation thing explored a little bit more, right? Have it be the main threat of the episode instead of just something that's just mentioned in 30 seconds. Because mm. that would have been a great opportunity for Danny Pink to draw on his military knowledge and call uh, talk about uh, Ancient Orange. Oh, and yeah. The horrors of Vietnam, right? That would have been a nice reference to throw in there. That's what dropping all that Agent Orange was about. It's about defoliation then. You know, or the the doctor could have mentioned it. You know, you you lot don't have a great track record. Um, <laughs> wow, with defoliation. Yes, that was once like... an episode, once a Capaldi episode. I bust out my Scottish impression. All the on Scottish like... steroids is like the <laughs> like... like six haggises. <laughs> oh, I'm Scottish! I can complain about things. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, uh, sorry, everyone in Scotland. I do apologize. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can take your hands out of your ears now, Scottish listeners. Yes. 
Oh, sorry, dude. Stephen Moffat. Sorry, 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 uh, Karen Gillan. Um, I, I just, yes, we'll, we'll edit it out. It'll be fine. <laughs> Excited post. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, is there anything left to say well, it's just like about if, In the Forest of the, the Night? The evil plot succeeding in the future depends on everyone forgetting about this. And mm. I felt like that, again, it's one of these Moffity things, which I, I guess addresses some of my earlier criticisms. But again, I'm, I'm just saying I don't buy it, which is that everyone just forgets about it are you talking it seems like the doctor's speaking more of like hundreds of years in the future which fair enough mm. maybe that that is why the solar flares happen you know it's a millennia later but the uh it just sounds stupid here it's, a, it's a, here it sounds like an excuse to be like we're never referencing this this episode again because everyone just forgot and it's like nah, it doesn't work anymore dude you know, if, if if I was RTD and I'm thinking of coming back for my second time, already coasting on this incredible fan goodwill, I would just make every episode and the entire 60th special just a discussion of every plot hole that's ever been and an explanation for every <laughs> plot hole we've encountered in the first 60 years of Doctor Who, and just 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 get all of it, just get that all out there, and uh, and then we can we can all move forward in peace and security. RTD, I'm available to audit that <laughs> list and put it all in some Jira tickets for you if you ever, if you're so inclined. We could prioritize together. Okay. I mean, there's all sorts of things you could do. Just insert the silence throughout the rest of human history. Oh, Say that they're wow, responsible yeah. for us forgetting. Um, Revenge of the yeah. silence. I love it. Ooh. Again, big finish. Call us. Um, yeah. Wait, Revenge of the what now? Weren't we just <laughs> talking about something? I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, I think we were just weird. talking about it's time to find out where we're going next. <laughs> we can't look back. Yes. We got to look forward. We can only go forward in our in our randomized TARDIS here on Pull to Open. By the way, great episode for the Pull to Open sign. Yes, yeah, I have to say it. Yep. A lot of close-ups. Wow, it really had its time to shine. Yeah, for a lot for the longest time, it was officers and cars respond to all calls. Until it was updated to urgent calls with uh, yeah. actually restored. That was the original wording uh, with uh, in the Whitaker era. So yeah, but a lot of close-ups. Yeah. Really, it really glows, man, in that brightly lit forest. Yeah, and really. It's the thing lighting up the forest. It's the TARDIS, <laughs> just like yeah, <laughs> beacon. Yeah, no wonder the the vines wanted to creep all over it. Mm. All right, so it's time to activate the pull to open. Uh, Randomizer, which is composed of, composed of the pull-to-open executor on the pull-to-open codex. I have the executor. You have the codex. Mm -hmm. What are these things you say? Well, the codex is a spreadsheet of our list of 299 Doctor Who stories, including Eve of the Daleks, which I'm, I'm going to love it if the randomizer makes us go there, Pete. Oh, me like, too. No, you, the randomizer's like, no, you've really got to watch this. <laughs> um, which that is kind of what I've been doing. Me. <laughs> uh, but I have the executor, which is random.org, which is a website that creates a true random number because computers are terrible at, at random numbers. They do it. They guess at random numbers through algorithms, and it's just not truly random. Certainly not as wildly random as our journey so far that has seemed to compose largely of Peter Capaldi and a little bit of Tom Baker. Um, Mm -hmm. And where the episodes all bunch up together. Uh, so you get the episode just before the episode where we were at 
you know, uh, a month earlier. And it's, it's just, it's bizarre. Anyway, I have entered the numbers one and 299 into random.org. Awesome. Uh, which is about to use the atmospheric noise of atoms bouncing around the atmosphere uh, to generate a random number for us. And Pete will tell us what yes. story that random number corresponds to. I will cross-reference that number with the codex and find and where we, we are going next, our new destination. Um, we haven't had a time-locked episode yet, but that may happen. Yeah, well, it's we'll, more likely we'll, to happen. We'll bounce right off and, and we'll see yeah. again if that happens. Right. But it's getting increasingly likely every time. <laughs> uh, we'd like to give the randomizer challenges sometimes. Yes. Um, I'm going to leap off some of my earlier comments about the keys of Marinus and not necessarily mm. be that specific, but like, let's, let's go back to Hartnell. Why not? Let's do it. Mm. Let's get another All right. I like old that. guy doctor. <laughs> I like that. I'm, I'm going to say, <clears throat> I'm going to say uh, just because we haven't done it so far and because I'd like them not to all bunch up at the end. Give it, give us a Colin Baker or a Sylvester McCoy. Mm. Yeah, man. Yeah. It. Yeah. Let's represent them yeah, or a Paul McGann. <laughs> yeah, or Eccleston. Exactly. Well, Let's. Paul McGann is like, you know, picking a very one number on roulette and then it's coming up. Like, that would be insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen someday, but when the day it happens, it's wow. That's going to be. It's going to be super ride. wild. Yes, give give us a six through nine randomizer. It's going to be our equivalent of the, what? Where was Matt Smith going in closing time? The the oh, the, thing? I don't know. What ex, it was. Exodor. Exodor. That's the something of Exodor. One shot yeah. in a lifetime. Yep. All right. All right. Here we go. Are we ready? You want to want to give me a, a countdown do or I. a wheezing Tardis noise? I, I'll let's let's do both. Although one will be in post. All right. Ready? <laughs> yep. Oh, wait, no, wait. Uh, three, two, <laughs> one. 197. You're 97. Okay, I think we're still in New Who. Yeah, we are. 197. Oh, wow. The silence in the library. Forest of the dead. What? Another forest, Chris. Whoa. Forest to forest. Forest to forest. That never let us say that the randomizer is actually a just a completely random connection of circuits. It is for real. I don't yeah. think anyone can doubt now. Uh, I am now going to start my randomizer based religion. Yeah. Um, what are the chances? I'm going to do a quick yeah, I know. search. How many, how many forest episodes are there? That's a great question. Are you forest, able to you, you able to dead, search that? Forest night. Yeah. No, just the two. Just the two. Wow. We wow. went from forest to forest. Burnham Wood became Dunsinane. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Okay. Well, we're, we'll be back with uh, exploring yet another forest of a different kind and also the first appearance of River Song. Well, unless you count Closing Time, where she was in it at the end. Mm. But uh, I like it that, that we're, we're going to we we saw Doctor River Song graduate or her postgraduate version. Right. Um, I guess first now, appearance of the show, but yes, not the first appearance here. Not on. on now on, we're on, going on, to on, see. On. Yes, exactly. Uh, it gets a bit confusing, but yes, the first full River episode mm. or episodes. I should say the introduction um, of River Song, perhaps. Yes. But yeah. No. This is a. a Wow, I remember this one. Yes, there's. Uh, I, I'm really interested in revisiting it, especially post. I, I haven't seen it since seeing the entire River chronology. You know, right? Um, so I'll, I'll be. It'll be interesting 
just feel how those scenes hit uh knowing all that stuff now yeah we're, we're gonna get a big chance to talk about river and 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 the whole river storylines and it is i think we can say it's pretty much over at this point i mean nothing's ever 100 percent over yeah i mean um, you might do another it's went to a jack harkness type guest shot mm-hmm. or cameo but somehow feels wrong with yeah. her I don't know. I mean, I'd I'd love to see uh, River uh, flirting with uh, Jodie Whittaker. That, that, would be, <laughs> that would be a lovely thing. But that, that might point. sort of, you know, that yeah. might uh, interrupt the the thing that's happening with the Az now. So mm. maybe I don't want to see that. Okay. But uh, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about River. We will talk about uh, the library. We will count the shadows. Mm. Um, uh, we will turn out the lights. Right, we got to. <laughs> Still, one of my favorite things I, I do like to do to to scare my wife is I just all I do I have to do is say, "Who turn out the lights? Hey, who turn out the lights? <laughs> hey, who turn out the lights?" Uh, that's awesome. And that's love that. Yeah, but, yeah good moments. One of the one of the strangely I don't know compelling catchphrases of of <laughs> uh, various villains doesn't quit hit quite so hard as exterminate, but we'll mm. we'll get there. We'll get we'll get some new catchphrase measuring device that'll. Uh, That'll give us a good readout. Well, All looking right. forward to the next podcast. That's what this is, everyone. You're listening to a podcast. It is called Pull to Open. Uh, if you have not yet subscribed, please subscribe. Hey, if your friends and family haven't subscribed, please ask them to subscribe. Please get the word out about the show. But actually, the best way you can do that is going to your podcast service and leaving us a review. Reviews really, really, really help us spread the word reach more people please leave a review again we don't really want to tell people what to write but those five star reviews oh yeah we really love them we'd love to see more of them and we'd love to read them out here on the pod uh so please subscribe we're available at where you find all the good podcasts um follow us on social as ever we are on tiktok at pull to open we're uploading stuff daily there now with more and more videos every day lots of good discussion uh it's super fun Check us out there if you haven't already. We're really trying to push to uh, uh, 10,000 followers. So we're, we're going to get there. Um, and we can, we can only do it with your help, though. Keep watching the videos. Keep liking them. And keep telling your friends about it. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at Pull2Open63. We got plans to do more there. So stay tuned there. And, uh, yeah, just drop us a line wherever you encounter us. Indeed. All right. Looking forward to uh, to talk about the Bastion Arada next time on Pull to Open. We'll see you then. All right. Watch the shadows, guys. See you soon.